So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, I'm going to have you click to or turn to uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. We're in, this, we're in this series called Love in Action. And so we've been walking through the book of Luke, and we've been looking at story after story where, where Jesus had, had expressed and showed us uh, love in action and what it looked like. And so this weekend, we are looking at this topic. Of, in fact, this is a sermon uh, title, is My Priorities. And we're going to look at our priorities. And in the midst of a storm or in the midst of a crisis or in the midst of a, a, a pandemic, because a lot of times when we walk through a storm or we walk through difficult times in life, it is really difficult sometimes to maintain your, your priorities or even balance in, in life. And it's so easy when you go through a crisis or a storm in life to start focusing on the urgent things or focusing on the immediate needs and, and the problems or the crisis. And, and if you're not careful, and we've all been there, you can become angry and you can, uh, in the crisis, you can grumble about people and, and all of a sudden you're just kind of angry and grumbling about people and talking about the issues and, and you're no longer like the, the best version of yourself and you're not a lot of fun to be around because all you do is grumble about what's going on. It can affect your relationships. It can affect the people around you and, and it, it can even can affect your quality of life. And so I've, I, I've told you this, I think, before I know I've told our ministry leaders that, that we're, we're in a perfect storm. I never thought, I never, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought of this or not, but we're, we're in a, a perfect storm. And so a perfect storm is, is, is one of those storms that only happens like once in a century. It's when, when, when a hurricane or three major storms meet together in, in the ocean. Uh, but, but in our case, we're in a, we're in a perfect storm. It's a little bit different. Uh, when we entered 2020, um, we, you know, if you look at the U.S. or even the global uh, storm, you, you can look at both. But the U.S., we, we have a highly volatile election year. Uh, we entered a pandemic in, in, in the spring, and then, and then, and then, and then racism. And so it's, it's a perfect storm that we're in. And, and you can even see this globally, like, right? A, a global uh, recession and a global race, racism, and then global, uh, global pandemic. And so we're in a perfect storm. And so one of, our, one of the movies that we've watched recently was, was the, the Perfect Storm. And it was a true story of the fishing vessel, the Andrea Gale, on September the 13th of 1991. The Andrea Gale set out and, and was returning with some fish, and, and they, they knew they were going into the storm, but they had no idea they were going into a, a perfect storm. And they had a decision to make. They could either have patience and stick with their priorities and the whole game plan, or they could, they could try to make it. And so they, they became impatient. They kind of panicked, and, and they set sail, and they sailed into a perfect storm, and, and they lost their lives. And, and, and you know what? If they just had been patient uh, in the storm and didn't didn't move away from their priorities or values, they, they, they all would have survived. And so it's important for us to understand what it means to keep your priorities in, in a perfect storm. And so we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Uh, Jesus is, is, is talking about a story that happened between two ladies, Mary and Martha. It's just, it's just a few scriptures, and but it's so important for us to understand. Mary walked through the storm and, and the circumstances a little bit different than, than Martha. Mary was able to maintain her priorities. She was able to have peace. She was able to have joy. Uh, she spent time with Jesus and then served him. And then Martha was totally different. Martha went through it totally different. And, and you can see some things different in her as well. So here, here's what the story says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And her sister... And, and she had a sister called Mary, 
who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to come and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, both of these sisters face the same situation. Both of these sisters face the same problem. But Jesus praised Mary because, because she, had chosen, she had chosen what was better. She had chosen what was best. And, and Martha was a great person. She was a good person. And, and she did many good things. But, but Jesus prayed, praised Mary because she, she had a priority straight. She, she spent time with him. Uh, she sat at, at his feet, which meant the picture of like a disciple. And, 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 and you, see this, you see this pattern all through Scripture where someone sat at the feet of Jesus, spent time with Jesus, and then served. Jesus did that with the Father, right? Jesus spent time with the Father, and then out of the overflow of that relationship, he served. The disciples, you see, the disciples, that they would spend time with Jesus, and out of the overflow of spending time with him, that they would serve. And now you see it here with Mary, that, that Mary spent time with him. And out of the overflow of that relationship, she served him. Mary, when you look at Martha, Martha welcomed Jesus Christ into her home, but, but you don't see Martha stopping to spend time with him. Their home, where they lived, was a, was a really popular home in Bethany, and, 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 and the disciples would stop there often with Jesus, and, and there were three people who actually lived there. Martha was the older sister, Mary, and then their brother Lazarus, that Lazarus would be the one that would die later, and then Jesus would raise him from the dead. And so when you, when you look at this, you realize that they were, they were a wealthy family. They were an affluent family, and Martha was the oldest, and Martha was the one that was in charge. And, but you see something different between Martha and, and Mary, and in fact, is Jesus said this. He said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. And so when you look at Martha's life, she, she was going through this crisis. She was going through this time. And she was, she was impatient and she was anxious. And, and there was no peace in her life. And she was grumbling about her sister. She was grumbling about people. And she was angry. And she, she felt life wasn't, wasn't really unfair. Life wasn't fair. And then, then you see this about Mary. It says, Mary has chosen the good portion, was what Jesus said, which will not be taken away from her. And you see a much different lifestyle with Mary. Mary seemed to have patience and peace. And, and she wasn't grumbling. And Mary didn't even criticized Martha when Martha criticized her. And so my question to you as we walk through this text is, which, which one best describes you? Martha, impatient, no peace, grumbling about people, thinking life isn't fair, or Mary? He spent time with Jesus, and out of that overflow, gave her peace, gave her stability, and she didn't even grumble about people. She treated people differently. James writes in the book of James, James writes about life's problems, and he, he talks about this issue of priorities. He talks about this issue of patience. And, and so here's what, here's what James write in, writes in James chapter 5, verse 7. He said, be, be patient. That's an imperative. That's a command. <coughs> Excuse me. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. Until it receives the early and the late rains, you also be patient. So he comes back to that, and he reminds us of that. Then here's a, here's a huge statement he makes, and he says, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another. Brothers, 
so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider them blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But of all, above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by other oath, but let, <coughs> let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So I want to give you three things as we just kind of navigate through this text and we look at Mary and Martha's text, uh, Mary and Martha's life with the text of James as a background, as a commentary for us to grab some things out of that. The first thing is this, and we probably already know this, right? Situations can cause us to be impatient. Situations, listen, when you're, when you're rushed and you're out of time and you're in a crisis and, and your priorities are kind of out of whack, situation can cause us to be impatient. There are times that the times that we live in and the situations that we're dealing with, it can cause us to be impatient. And so verse 7, James says, but be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be impatient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Many of us need this message every day. Fact is, I need this message every day, especially the season that we're in, right? And so maybe you're going through this season and maybe you're dealing with impatience. And and as a result of that, you know, your family gets on your nerves and and you're quick to get angry. You're quick to be short. You're quick to blow a fuse. Or maybe a peep. At, at work, people are causing you to, to be angry and you, you like lose your temper and, and, and because of the situations that you're in or, or maybe the different guidelines or the changing guidelines that we are given in our state. Maybe that's causing you to be impatient, which is driving anger in your, or maybe you're just struggling with like the best, best version of yourself right now. Whatever temptation you face, would you consider with me? Today, just uh, the need and the importance of just, just sitting at his feet. And that phrase in the, in the New Testament, just sitting at his feet, that phrase is, really means just being a disciple, just being a learner, just being willing to open up the word and allow the word to speak to you and refresh you. That's why it was so important today for us to like, like just pray a psalm together in the service. And, 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 and then out of that, it will produce patience in you because... And if we're honest, patience doesn't come naturally to, to any of us. The definition of patience is this. Patience is the ability to accept delay or disappointment graciously. In the Greek, when you just look at the Greek definition for the word patience, is to be even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. The only way you and I can have patience in life and patience in situations is really is the example of Mary. And that is just spending time sitting at his feet, just opening up the word. James encourages all of us the need for just to be patient. When, when you look at the context in which this scripture was written, it was in the first century Christians, and, 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 and he was asking them, in fact, as he was telling them just to be patient in the situations that you're walking through. And they were walking through some unbelievable pressure. They were walking through some persecution, and, and the persecution was making their lives miserable, and, and some had, had lost their jobs, and some had lost their families, and some had been separated from their families, and some were facing torture, and some were even facing death, and this issue of daily stress can cause us to be impatient, and that's why James just continually comes back and says he encourages just to be patient, and he said just be 
be patient because the coming of the Lord is near. That's just a way of saying that just be patient because God is in control. Even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of difficulty, God is, God is in control. fact is, all through scriptures, we're encouraged to be patient under trying circumstances. Maybe right now, you're struggling in this area. You're struggling to find peace. You're, you're struggling to find patience. You're struggling to remember that like, like the Lord is in control and God is in control even in this season. Well, even right now, you can, if you're watching this live and not on demand, but if you're watching this live, you can click the live prayer button right now. And, and a, a prayer partner will join you in, a, in, a, in an online uh, room and, and a virtual room, and they will pray with you, and they will, they will talk with you. But, but maybe, maybe we just need to just, just think about some scriptures and let some scriptures just marinate in us. Uh, Psalm 37, 7 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over a man who carries out evil desires. Or maybe for Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined me to hear my cry. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, Better is, is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast and love is not arrogant. Galatians 5.22 encourages and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You look all through Scripture and you can find what, what happened to men and women when they became impatient. And the consequences when they, when they got tired of like waiting on God. fact is, in, in the study, Luke chapter 9, remember Luke chapter 9, James and John became impatient with the lack of hospitality of the Samaritans towards Jesus. And they got so upset that they wanted Jesus to like call down fire on them and destroy them. Martha in the story became impatient with her sister Mary, who wasn't helping with the household chores, and she sat and she just sat and listened to Jesus. And 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 Jesus was the one that told her she she chose the better thing. You know, for honest, patience doesn't come natural to any of us. The second thing is this: is spiritual maturity can cause us to be patient. Spiritual maturity, because it doesn't come natural to us. This issue of spiritual maturity can cause us to, to, to be patient. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 8, he said, You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And some things that I want you to notice just about Mary's life, and in contrast to maybe Martha's life, as we walk through the Luke passage and we walk through this James passage, you see some things. You see Mary had this established heart. Established heart means to confirm, it means to strengthen, it means to, to make, it means to, to, to have this firm standing, this, this determination, this resolution. And the only way that she got that, the only way that she established her heart was just, just spending time at his feet, just spending time with him, opening up the word and allowing the word to speak to him. There's, there's just a, a, one of my favorite stories of, of King David, and it's in Ziklag, and and King David and his men went out, and they, they, they fought a battle, and they, they won, and they, they, were, they were victorious. And, and they're coming back into Ziklag, and they're, they're celebrating about what they had done and the victory, and they're, you know, they're high-fiving and all of that other stuff. And then all of a sudden, they topped the hill, and they could look into Ziklag. And when they looked into Ziklag, uh, smoke was coming. 
And they knew something was wrong, and so the laughter and the celebration turned to mourning, and it says by the time they, they got to Ziklag, they realized that, that, that everything had been destroyed, and, and the city was desolate, and their, 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 their wives and their families had been taken captive. And, and then the men that were with, with David, David, it was like 13 or 14 men that were with him at the time, and, and, and they had all come under him, and they were like misfits, and he developed them, and he, he mentored them, and all of them turned on him. He had poured his life into them, and they all turned on him, wanted to fire him, and wanted another leader, and David was like at his lowest point. And then then in the scriptures it says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's one of the times in scripture that I'm like, Lord, why, why wouldn't you give us, why didn't you give us more information? What does it mean to strengthen yourself in the Lord? And then you hear, have here where, where James says that, that Mary established herself in the Lord. To strengthen yourself in the Lord or to establish yourself in the Lord simply means this. It means taking, it means taking scripture, taking the Psalms, and praying the Psalms enough to where you, they get into your heart, to where you believe them. For all of a sudden, something happens in your life, and you look at this issue of Mary, and Mary had, a, a, she had an established heart. Where things didn't move her like it moved Martha. Things didn't upset her the way things upset Martha. I mean, the scripture says this. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to to you. I mean, Mary lived out that scripture. Mary in God's presence, she quit worrying about the physical, and she started giving attention to the spiritual. I mean, this takes real discernment. Another thing about Mary is this, is Mary had a tolerant spirit. We talk a lot about tolerance in our society and tolerance in our culture, but usually that means we're only tolerant of the people we agree with. We're only tolerant of the people that we like. We're only tolerant of the people that like in our camp or our circle. But when you look at this issue of Scripture, you see something totally different. So back in the Luke passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 41, here, or, or verse 40, here's what the Scripture says. But Martha was distracted with much serving, much activity. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her. So the Lord was concerned about Martha. He was concerned about what was causing her to be anxious. And so he said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, one thing's necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. She's chosen to spend some time with me. Her serving me comes out of her being with me. It's not a burden to her. And then he goes on and says, well, which will not be taken away from her? She said, Martha, I'm not taking this away from her. Listen, a person can serve him their entire life and not really know him. Sometimes in the church, we think spiritual maturity means just activity. And when you look at the scripture, you realize that, 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 that Mary developed a deep relationship with him. And out of that relationship, out of that friendship, out of that love relationship, she served him. I mean, it wasn't a burden to him. In fact, is when you look at that word distracted in the Greek that, 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 that Jesus said, that Martha, you've been distracted by many things. That, that simply means this. It means coming to the place to where it's like, it's like a burden. It's like a weight. But I'm telling you, Mary was totally different. 
out of the overflow of her relationship with him, serving him was a pleasure. Serving him was a joy. If you and I aren't careful, we can develop what I call Marthaplexy, and that's trying to gain God's love or God's approval by, by doing more for him, by working harder and believing if I work harder for him and if I do more for him, he's going to love me more. Listen, let me tell you something. When you meet Christ and he comes into your life, he, he loves you. And he loves you unconditionally. And as a result of that, we serve him out of a, out of a love relationship with him. And Jesus says, Jesus says, Martha, man, there is something better than serving me. That is getting to know me. That is spending time with me. And then out of that comes service. In other words, we serve him out of an overflow of our relationship with him. And what the Lord really wants and what the Lord really needs is your fellowship. Then we need need to know him. Listen, I'm telling you, in a crisis, in a pandemic, this becomes critical. See, Mary was driven, not by service, but by relationship. Yeah, she served him. You can go through the scriptures. She served him in some unbelievable ways. But what drove her was her relationship with him. And she lived by her priorities. And and a crisis did not change that. And a storm did not change that. And if if all you do is activity for him, you're going to be anxious. Mary somehow sensed in this situation, in the midst of all of the distractions, that what she really needed to do was just sit at his feet. Something was going on. James chapter 5, verse 9 James says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but a lot of times when the pressure mounts in our life and the storm gets more and more intense, sometimes we look for someone to blame. We look for someone to grumble against. Right now, there's a lot of blame going on. Right now, there's a lot of grumbling going on. And when you look at this text, James just basically said three things. Just, just be patient, establish your hearts, and do not grumble. Grumble means like expressing pain, ex- expressing discomfort, and uh, usually in an inarticulate manner. And James urges us, you know what, quit grumbling, quit blaming people because you know what happens when, when you do that? You're going to rob yourself of joy, you're going to rob yourself of peace, and you're going to affect the relationships and the people around you. If there's, if there's a time that we need to be supportive of one another, it's a time during adversity. You know, notice another thing in Mary's life is, is this. She, she, she had a controlled tongue. Mary, listen, Mary was able to control her tongue. I mean, James would say earlier in James, in the book of James, James would say the ability to control your tongue is a mark of a mature Christian, a deep Christian. It's a person that, like, spends time with Jesus and allows the scriptures to come out of their life. And Mary was able to keep her values. She was able to keep her tongue, even in spite of her sister's criticism. Listen, I I love this story because it's so typical of, like, siblings. Uh, Martha is, like, stuck in the kitchen doing all the work and and, 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 you know, she's probably grumbling, and, and so Mary could probably hear, and, and she's, you know, like, I'd love to sit at Jesus', Jesus feet. You know what? This chicken isn't going to fry itself. This chicken isn't going to, you know, take care of itself, and, and the salad's not going to be made by itself, and all of these other things, and I'm not going to call pizza, you know, to have pizza delivered for Jesus and all those other things. And, and she's thinking, if Mary would just help me just a little bit, she's always going off when she 
Mary's needed the most. Everybody loves Mary. Everybody just loves Mary. And I'm confident, listen, I am confident that Mary knew that Martha was upset. I mean, there were were small homes in their time. And she could probably hear the slamming, clamming uh, cabinet doors and the rattling of pans in the kitchen. She could probably read the body language, and she probably knew that Mary was upset. But instead, instead of Martha going to Mary, Martha goes to Jesus. Verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and And so she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Martha was trying to hurt Mary, where it would hurt her the most. She was trying to make her look bad in front of Jesus. She was also trying to gain extra points with Jesus. She wanted Jesus to make sure that he knew what she was doing in the kitchen. And after all that, Mary did not respond to her criticism. Mary, Mary took the high road. Mary understood this issue of tolerance in a controlled tongue. The third and the last thing is this, is waiting on God is a result of patience. Waiting on God is a result of patience. Verse 7 in in James chapter 5, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. In other words, you understand that God's going to have to do something. That you're going to have to depend on him. You're going to have to wait until he provides. You trust God that even in this season that God is doing something new. James gives an illustration of, of two seasons that a, a farmer uh, is in, and, and he's in between those seasons, and, and he, all he could do was cultivate the soil, but that's all he could do, and he had to wait on God to provide the rain and the sun and the growth. And, and there are some times in life that, you know what? We've done all we can do, and we have to wait on him. And sometimes in this season... We have done all we can do, and we have to wait on him. Whether it's for that job opening, it's whether that, for that relationship to improve, it's for that answer to prayer, it's for God to do something, it's for the chemo to take effect, it's for the surgery to be completed, for the test results to come back, it's the economy to open up again, the church to open, the, you to grow spiritually. You trust that... God's will is being accomplished in this season. It's this part of the Christian life to where we grow and we mature in him. We come to that place to where we just be still and just know that I'm God. That's a verse that we started 2020 out with. That's a verse that we have prayed over and over and over through this season. Just be still and know that I'm God. I, would be, I will be exalted over the nations. In other words, I'm in control. We understand that he's in control. If we're impatient, a lot of times we don't understand what God is doing. And all through Scripture, we find that God is a, a patient God, slow to wrath, patient and desiring us to just repent. fact is, I 
asked myself a question this last week and answered it about is there ever a time in Scripture when God was in a hurry? Is there ever a time in Scripture that we can find, that we can reference, that God was like in a hurry? And you know what? Based upon my research this last week, there's, there's only one time in Scripture. And you may be familiar with the story of the prodigal son. But when the prodigal son returned to the father, and the father represented God, and when the prodigal son came over the hill and the father could see him, God could see him, the scripture says that he ran to him. He was in a hurry to meet him. He was, in other words, God is in a hurry to forgive you. And maybe he has waited patiently for you for years just to return to him, just to ask for forgiveness, just to say, God, I need, I need help. Well, I'm here to tell you in the scriptures, the scripture says that God will run to you. He's in a hurry to extend forgiveness. He's in a hurry to extend mercy and grace. He's in a hurry for you to come into a relationship with him so that you have peace and comfort in an eternal life. And maybe today, maybe today you just need to accept him and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I just ask that you come into my life, you just forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life, that I need you, I need forgiveness. I need you in this season and but maybe you've already done that. And maybe you would say, you know what? My priorities are all out of whack. And there's some days that I, I don't pray and I don't read scripture. And it's causing me to be impatient. It's causing me to struggle. And God, I'm committing to you right now. Every day. I'm going to open up your word and I'm going to spend some time at your feet. She's going to pray a psalm just much like Eli did earlier in the message. Now, if you need to invite Christ into your life, I just encourage you to come to the nail-scarred feet of Jesus Christ. Sit at his feet. Learn and worship him. Just make him a priority in your life and he'll make all things new. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. Do you need to accept him and come into a relationship with him? Do you need to confess some things? Do you need to return to him? Do you need to realign your priorities and your values? Whatever your next step is, would you just be willing to take it? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we ask that people would make decisions for you, and if they need prayer, would they just respond by asking for prayer? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.